Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. So how many would admit you've ignored warning signs and just gone ahead and done something, even though the sign says don't, right? Yeah. I mean, ever done a U-turn on the interstate, even though it says no U-turn, you know? And you go, well, that's not as bad as getting eaten by zombies. The, the thing is, we, we tend to do things that we know are, are wrong. We tend to get pressured into things that, that lead us astray. I loved, I loved how those three started off on, no, we shouldn't, and then the one talked them in every time to go, oh, you're right, I am the bronze of the operation, I can't fight them off. And then the last one, after he's heard it twice, well, I don't want to be left out. I don't want to, I, well, I, everybody else is doing it, I should do it. It's the same thing that happens to us every day. We, we fall into these temptations. Well, this morning I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to talk about our adversary. There are times we get pressured and that pressure is so great we just give in. For, for example, one of, one of the things that is, uh, is, is a lot of pressure on me, you know, is, is when I drive by this particular donut shop and the hot light's on. It's just hard. The car just fights me. Everything I have wants to pull in. Or when I come out of a grocery and these little girls about yay tall are standing there in their little brown and green outfits and they have these boxes in front of them. And they're called Girl Scout Cookies. Now, if I go in and don't see them, praise the Lord, if I come out and, and, and see them, I might as well come home with three to six boxes, you know. It's, it's that pressure. Well, a few years ago, uh, Time Magazine did a, did a study in trying to figure out why is it we fall into pressure. And some of you who have Girl Scouts do not come to my office with those Girl Scout cookies. I'll buy a whole box, a carton. All right, so let me give you five, five reasons Time Magazine has, um, has decided we fall into pressure to buy sales, to buy Girl Scout cookies, to buy whatever. Here's, here's the first one. The fear of missing out. Everybody else is doing it. Listen, so many people are doing it. I, why would I want to be left out? I mean, if it's a deal... If this is one of those things everybody else is doing, let me, I, I want to do it. They're getting eaten by zombies. Why would I want to be left out? Second thing, competition. We can't be outdone. You, you know, if, 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 if this is the last one, what, what in the world would I do if I don't have one of these at my house? I mean, the world could come to an end and I might need whatever it is. Competition, and so we, you know, for example, don't raise your hand on this. Don't want to embarrass anybody. But in 2020, when you learned toilet paper was getting scarce, how much did you really go find it, and how much were you willing to buy at one time so you made sure you didn't run out? 
Was it a competition? I, I got plenty. You know, this is, that was the time when I wish Pam's grandmother was still alive because when she bought Y2K toilet paper, I mean, it, could, we, it was around for years. That stuff doesn't give away. I w- you know, I would have been good set if, if, if she was here with 2020. But the third thing, assumed value. Now, here's what stores do for you. Uh, they, they want you to help you understand what a value you're getting. Oh, these, this, this item is worth $180, but today you can get it for, for $60. Look what the value you're getting. Sir, if you buy one box of Girl Scout cookies, you can get a second one for just a few more dollars. Right? That's why, the, that's why they sell Cheetos. Buy one, get one for the same price. You know, you do that. It's assumed value. Number four, are you saving or spending? This is my favorite. You know, if you'll spend so much money, we'll give you this discount. Oh, well, what else do I need in the store? Right? I mean, you went in to buy one thing and the store says, but if you spend up to this, you get this kind of discount. Well, why wouldn't I be saving money if I do if I spend more I'll save more right yeah number five time invested this is my favorite one time magazine said time invested is an issue and people people go to the store and they're searching they're looking they see these sales and they go well you know what I'm here I've already invested the time to come to the store. I don't want to leave empty-handed. I might as well get something in order to make my trip worthwhile. I don't know when I'll ever use this, but, you know, my time is worth something, so I might as well go home with something for this. I don't know if any one of those resonate with you. I don't know if you've ever purchased anything on those five principles, but, but something tells me if we were to take a vote many of us would fall in one or more of those categories. Why is that? Why is it we, we go into something never, never planning to do something, but yet we do it? Why, why do we fall into that pressure? Now listen, Krispy Kreme donuts, Girl Scout cookies, Cheetos, none of those are all bad unless you Just eat them all the time, I guess. But, you know, you take that into other areas of your life and skimming from the office till or beginning a flirtatious relationship with somebody that's not your spouse. You begin by saying, oh, it's not that bad. It's, we haven't crossed any lines. I haven't done anything wrong. But what happens is you you keep moving and you keep moving down this path. Before you know it, you you crossed over. This morning in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to look and we're going to see that we have an adversary who's always out to get us. Working to cause us to stumble. Now, let's be honest. We are sinful by nature. Bible tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're sinful by nature and sinners by action because we act sinfully. 
But sometimes in that action, we are, are encouraged by an adversary. So if you have your Bibles and you're at Genesis chapter 3, would you stand as we read God's holy word? Beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was, more, was most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden? God said, You must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable to obtain wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. You may be seated. Can you imagine this conversation, the rest of Adam and Eve's life? Anytime they get into an argument, Adam looks at her and says, you ate the fruit. And she looks back and says, well, you ate it too. Yeah, but you gave it to me. From the moment that, ha that this happens, this is the beginning in which sin comes into the world. And it's at this moment that you and I recognize that just as Adam and Eve are sinful, that we are sinful. But there's another piece to that puzzle, and it's that adversary, the one who is working against us. So here's the big idea this morning. One reason bad things happen is because our adversary seeks to distract us from God's plan. Catch that. Our adversary seeks to distract us from God's plan. We look at this text, we find that Adam and Eve are living in a garden. And remember what God had said after he created all things. It was what, church? Good. At the at that moment, all, all things were good. But then there comes this one. So let me help you fill in some blanks this morning and talk about this adversary. The first thing I want you to catch this morning is the devil is present. The devil is present. When we look at this text, we, we find the, the devil comes in the form of the serpent, the snake. Now here's what I want you to understand. When God created all things, it was good. The devil, he shows up. He shows up in this serpent, in this snake that God had created. And remember, everything God created was good. 
And the devil comes in this form of the snake. He takes something good and uses it for his purpose for evil. It's the whole thing of the devil. That's his plan, is to take something good and to use it for something evil. He wants to take you and I and what God created and formed us and made us in his likeness to be good, and he wants us to turn and be evil, be sinful. So we see this play right out here in the, in the first verse. That the devil is present. And, and make no mistake, he's still alive today. We still have Satan working against us today. Unfortunately, there are some people who, who think that there's no such thing as the devil. There's no such thing as one who's our adversary. But the scripture is very clear. We read about this one from Genesis to Revelation. He's real. Now, he doesn't have all power that God has. He can't create anything. He can't make you do anything, as we talked about last week. But he is, but he is real. The second thing we find in this text is the devil is powerful. He's powerful. When we notice the text, the text tells us that he was, was cunning. He was, he was sly. He was... He was crafty. In fact, the word I want to use here is the devil is clever. He's clever. He comes and he, he, he begins to manipulate. He begins to work. Listen. Even if we all had warning signs for everything... And there are lots of warning signs. Don't, don't misunderstand me. We would still fall, right? I mean, anybody want to admit if you were one of the three guys and you saw the garage door that said uh, zombies, that you would go in? Yeah, we got one honest person. The rest of you, when the altar is called, we'll look for you down here. You know, years ago, I went to camp, and I've told this story, but... We were, in, we were in Washington, Upper State Washington, and break happens, and I can't find any of the kids on the campus. Come find out they were hiking up this trail, this waterfall. So I hike up the trail with one of our other staff members, our camp pastor, and we get there, and we're at this waterfall. Kids are jumping off this waterfall into this water, and they've been doing it for, for years. And so I'm standing there, and I said, hey, would you go out there and stand in the middle of that thing for me? Just get out there in the middle of that. And I realized they're jumping from 10 feet into water that's no more waist deep for me. And I'm going, oh, are you nuts? And the next thing I know, the pastor goes, I'm going to do it. Kyle, what are you going to, I'm going to do it. He goes up there. Now, Kyle, what, Kyle stood 6'1", weighed probably 325 at the time. I've got, the, I've got the first aid kit with me because I was the rec director. I had it with me. And I'm going, let's see, what do I have in it? I can't get a cell phone. The only way we're going to get this big boy out of here is by helicopter because there's no way to get him out by carrying him. He jumps off and he lands and he's fine. Oh. Kyle gets out. You ought to try it. Well, I think I will. 
Next thing I know, I'm standing on top of that rock, knowing there's no business jumping off in that water. And there I go. Why do we do that? Because the devil is clever to say, oh, but look, everybody's doing it. They're okay. You're not going to get hurt. He comes to Adam and Eve. He says, hey, did God really say? He's clever in how he, he does that. The second thing we catch is mind games. He plays mind games. Now catch this. He's playing mind games with Adam and Eve. And I say Adam and Eve because while Eve is the one who, who has the conversation, Adam's standing right there. So as much as we like to say it's Eve's fault, Adam didn't speak up. And so at this moment, Satan's playing mind games with him. Look at verse 2 of our text. See what happens. And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will, what church? You'll die. Now, Satan's clever. He knows what's been said. If you have your Bible still open, go to Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Catch this. This is God's conversation with Adam and Eve. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on that day you will eat from it, you will certainly, what? Die. Now, a couple things I want to point out about that text right there. Number one, Satan knew what the text said, or knew what God had said, and so... He knew she'd misquoted. Now it's his opportunity to play mind games. And let's be honest, some of the mind games were true. Because if you eat it, your eyes will be what? Open. Was their eyes open? Yes, they were made aware. Did they know good from evil? Yes, they did. It was at that moment they began to realize what sin looked like. It says, you will surely die. At that moment, you begin your end of life. But notice what Jesus says here in the text. For, for what? On the day you eat it. What does God know they're going to do? He knows they're going to eat it. He knew all along. He knew what they were about to do. Why? Because he's God. Sometimes we struggle with this idea of God. If God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and this is one of our questions, then why do we have free will? Well, it's real simple. God knows every decision we're going to make. But he gives us a choice in making those decisions. He gives us a free will. I mean, let's be honest. You don't like it when someone micromanages you, do you? 
As a parent, you understand micromanaging your children when they're, when they're small, making sure they pick out the right clothes, they've taken a shower, they've done all the right things they need to do to help them to be successful. But there comes a point where you outgrow that and, and you know, you get to start being your own independent person. You, you, you get to pick out some things. In fact, I was reading yesterday Bob Bafford's son. His mom still picks out certain pieces of his outfit for the derby but he he wants to pick out his tie he says at some point she's got to let me grow up and be a man and make my own choices and so while she picks out the outfit he picks out the tie I hate to tell him he ain't getting much there she's probably picked out the five ties that will match that outfit but anyhow that's another time but you know what when we get older And things don't start working as well as they once did. Then our children come along and we have to have conversations with our parents about what you can and can't do. And it becomes difficult. We, nobody likes that. So God gives us free will because he says this. You be you. I want you to love me. I want you to follow me. I want you to be faithful. I want you to be obedient. As a father, I love you unconditionally. But the choice is up to you. And because the choice is up to us, we fall into sin. We do dumb things. We create problems. We cause chaos. We hurt people. On and on and on. So in this text, we find that Satan's clever. He's playing mind games. And then look at number C. He speaks lies. He speaks lies. Through the conversation, there was some truth there mixed in with some lies. Satan wants to, you know, Satan knows Scripture well enough. Knows it better than most. And wants to twist it. Wants to cause us to, to doubt ourselves, doubt what we're doing. It's the father of lies. We have to be careful because our adversary is working against us. And just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that it must be okay. It just may mean they've fallen into the lies. And so what we find is the devil's present. The devil is powerful. The third thing I want you to catch from our text is the devil is persuasive. He's persuasive. The devil's so persuasive, what do Adam and Eve both do? What are you about to do when we finally finish this today? Okay, I thought most of you are not going to eat. You're going to, you're going to, you're going on a, you're going to fast. No, they, they, Satan was so persuasive, they ate. So persuasive, they ate. And when they ate, then you begin to see the signs of sin set in. Just like for you and I, when we, when there's something that we do that we know is wrong, 
we know is sin. There's, there's these things that take place in our life immediately following that. When we begin to realize what we've done, there are some things we begin to feel and, and know and, and all these things take place. They take place with Adam and Eve as well. First thing is, is the act of disobedience. We come to this place and we realize, man, we made a mistake. We, we've, look what we've done. We, we, we act and we take it and, and, and as soon as we do that, we, we recognize there's disobedience that's happened in our life. Disobedience that, that we've sinned against God. Disobedience that we're going to let somebody down, our parents and our, our, our friends down. But most importantly, God. Adam and Eve were being persuaded. And they, they committed the act of disobedience. The second thing is the knowledge of the sin. The knowledge of the sin is what happens. They come to this place and they, they know they sinned. And that's not a great place to be because you, you think, oh no, why did I do this again? How come I keep falling? Why can't I get over this? This knowledge of sin keep, plays over and over. And what Satan wants to do is cause you to recognize that and he laughs because he got you. Look at verse 7 of our text. Then the eyes of both of them were what, church? Open. It's an acknowledgement when they opened their eyes and they knew they were naked. Up to that point, they had no idea. They didn't see like that. But the moment they, moment they took of that fruit, the moment they fell into sin... There's this acknowledgement. Acknowledgement that, that they made a mistake. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves, the scripture tells us. You know what that is? It's a third thing. It's a realization of the shame of sin. They hadn't had to have fig leaves before then. They hadn't had to have any issues whatsoever. But now shame sets in. Shame sets in to the point that they are they're ashamed of what they've done, who they are, what they become, the decision they made. See, sin has a way that once you fall into it and and you begin to realize it, you begin to, to understand that you were disobedience and the knowledge of what that was or what you should have done and the shame, it begins to play on you. To the point where you're, you're ashamed. And one of the things Satan wants to do is take that shame and keep reminding you of that shame. Keep pressing in on that shame because if he can press in on that shame, then you're going to come to the place in your life when you're going to believe that God cannot love you because you're, you're disgraced.
Remember the story of the prodigal son? Jesus tells the prodigal the story of the prodigal. Father, I wish you were dead, so give me my inheritance now. Gives him his inheritance and goes and spends his money on wild living. Blows it all and doing all detestable things. Comes to a place in his life where he realizes he's eating. He wished he had the, what the pigs were eating. So he decides to come home. And in his coming home, he's working that speech up to have that conversation with his dad because he's ashamed of the, of the life he's made. He's ashamed of the failure he's become. He's been disobedient. He's going to acknowledge his, his wrong. He's just hoping dad will say, I forgive you. And now I'll let you work as a hired hand. Many of us can relate. Because the moment sin entraps us that way, we feel this shame and this guilt. It leads us to the third or the fourth thing is the fear of punishment. The fear of punishment. Look again at the text with me at verse 8. They're afraid. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Here he comes. Oh, here he comes. If you've been in my house when I was a teenager, or even before I was a teenager, I guess by the time I was a teenager, we weren't doing it this way. Long before I was a teenager, I was getting in trouble a lot. It's really because of my brother. Um, we got in so much trouble, um, I could spend hours telling you, but we got in so much trouble that, that uh, mom's famous words were, wait until dad gets home. And, you know, I, I, I laugh and tell my dad my fondest memories of him at my young age is bouncing off the wall, getting his belt out to, to spank us when he got home. And we would often say to mom, please don't tell dad. We'll be good. We promise. Don't tell dad. I got to think Adam and Eve were in the garden at this moment. They hear God coming. And I wonder if the thought goes through their mind, oh, I hope he doesn't recognize. I hope he, I hope he doesn't see us. Oh, I hope he doesn't know. The text tells us, and they hid themselves from God, the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. Verse 9 and 10 tells us when God says, where were you? Adam is the kid who can't, can't lie about anything. We were hiding because we were naked. <laughs> we ate. She made me do it. But there was a fear of punishment. There's a fear of punishment. So what's our takeaways today? Because... 
The reality is sin sets in. We have an adversary. He's going to, he's going to work hard. Listen, I've said this multiple times. If Satan's not in your life every day, you need to check your relationship with the Lord because the truth of the matter is, he, if he's not messing with you, he's already got you. And so if, if we are going to walk faithfully, we've got to know we have an adversary trying hard to get us. So here's a couple things I want us to take home. One, don't under, underestimate the devil. Don't ever say, I can... I can do this. I got this. Don't underestimate the devil. And realize the devil comes in a variety of ways. We see him in a snake in this moment. But he comes in other places. Look, when Jesus is being tempted, he's taking Jesus to the top of the mountain and goes, all these kingdoms can be yours if you'll just bow down. In that temptation, he's also quoting scripture. Don't underestimate the devil. If you're here this morning, you think, I, listen, I got this. I'm good. No offense, but you hit it for a fall. And I just hope you don't fall too hard. Because the devil is a powerful adversary, but God is greater. God is greater. As we looked last week, no temptation has ever overcome you. Doesn't mean he'll give you, he won't give you any more than you can handle because if you can handle it, you don't need God. It just means he's going to give you the escape. But realize we have to endure the temptation. So don't underestimate the power of the devil. The second thing I want you to catch, don't doubt God's purpose and plan. So with Adam and Eve, this is the moment they come to, they, they doubt the purpose and plan of God. They don't trust God enough. The devil makes them think that if you eat this fruit, you can become God yourself is what the text really is. Oh, you mean we can be like him? We can be God's? And they begin to take their eyes off God's purpose and plan and put it on themselves. Don't ever doubt that. We come to a place in our life all the time where we struggle. We struggle with sin. We struggle with evil. One of the biggest downfalls is when we forget that God's still got a purpose and a plan. That doesn't mean we understand it. doesn't mean it will make sense to us. It may, unfortunately, there are things that may never make sense to us. But he's God. And he's got a purpose and a plan. So this morning, maybe you are here and, and you've been down this journey. You've been much like the prodigal son. The living, the lifestyle, the things that you've been doing have not been honoring God. You've allowed Satan to, to have more control over your life than you want to acknowledge. You, you relate it to the, uh, the, the reality of disobedience, the, the acknowledgement of, of your sin, the, the shameful and the fear. You got all those. If that's you this morning, don't forget the end of the prodigal son story. For you remember, 
he comes home practicing that speech getting ready to have a conversation with his father please dad just just let me be a hired hand before he can ever say a word Jesus tells a story of a rich man who gets off the porch and runs to his son unheard of in that culture no rich man would ever do such a thing that would be undignified but he runs to his son before he can say father I've sinned against you you know he stops him puts a coat on him ring on his finger sandals on his feet calls for the fatted calf to be killed we have to celebrate this child of mine has come home today if you've been down that path you've been You've been going down the path you shouldn't be going. God wants to celebrate because you come home, because he's welcoming you in. He wants to embrace you with open arms. He's never left you nor forsaken you. He's been waiting for you to turn and come back. All you have to do is respond. Friend, don't let Satan have his victory today. Don't let Satan continue to have control. In the power, in the name of Jesus, you can overcome that. If you'll just say yes to the Lord. This morning, if you're here and you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, would today be that day? Would you come to know Jesus as your one who can save you from your sins, set you free from the bondage that Satan has over your life? You do that by acknowledging him, believing in him, and confessing. There's no magic words. There's no magic handshake. It's all about a relationship with God. This morning, if there's a decision on your heart, I'll be here at the front. But if you'd rather wait until we dismiss something a little more private, a little more uh, less public, there is a, there's a table out here. JJ will be out here this morning. He'll pray with you talk with you, lead you through the plan of salvation, whatever it is that you have. Would you just respond? If you're watching us on TV or listening to us uh, on a device of some sort, you can call us at 270-681-2363. 270-681-2363. Don't let Satan win today. Make sure you're right with the Lord today. The decision is right before you. You, God is waiting for you to decide. He can't decide for you. You have to choose. Would you stand with me as we pray?